that. So I want to look at Psalm 34 today. I love this psalm. Many of you will recognize it. It's one of the great psalms of the scriptures. Uh, people have loved this psalm forever and ever. I saw some things in it, though, that I, I want to talk about. You know, when we say living in the glory of God for a charismatic or Pentecostal church, you know, we're, we're thinking uh, maybe a little bit higher usually than uh, other people in terms of the glory, right? Uh, God, you know, a personal angel showing up or a manifestation, you know, of some kind of uh, cosmic phenomena or whatever. But listen, the glory of God is so much bigger than that. And it's all around us. He's all around us every day. And uh, he doesn't always show himself but uh, uh, and, and dramatically. But that's one of the things I'm learning to do in terms of walking in the Spirit, in terms of walking with God, looking for God in everyday life. And um, also, in certain things that he's instituted in the Scriptures, there's glory in them. They're not just ordinary stuff. They're, they're glory. There's some place. By glory, I mean th- this is a place where God touches you and you touch God. And so... The dividends of that are that God speaks. The dividends of that, God heals. The dividends of that, God shows you what to do. He gives you directions. The dividends of that is you serve the Most High God in a genuine and wonderful way. So I want to look at Psalm 34 and just talk about living in the glory of God, living in the sense of God. Uh, Let's start with the first few verses. I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name forever. So as a believer, you are made for prayer, thanksgiving, and praise. This is God's will for you. I will extol the Lord. I will glory in the Lord. We just did that, didn't we? And this is why we do it so long sometimes. This is part of what God has us do. It's part of the glory. It's part of the experience that we experience with the presence of of the Lord, and it uh, can be very, very dramatic. I don't know about you, but I never cease to amaze me how I can drag in here dead and tired and all that, even as like the guy that's supposed to be on top of the world, worshiping all happy and everything. And you know, I, I don't feel a thing till I start worshiping, right? <laughs> and I start worshiping, and all of a sudden, ah, there he is. Thank you, God. It's a little Thanksgiving, a little praise. And uh, I know that's shocking for many of you that I would have to go through that, but I go through it every single day of my life. That's why praise, worship, thanksgiving, these places are, are not just duties. If they were duties, I'd be back in the same place. They're not duties. They're places where I find God, find the very presence of the Lord. The Hebrew translation of the word times, I will extort the Lord at all times, refers to circumstances, seasons, occurrences, or events. So I will extol the Lord when? In every circumstance, every season, every occurrence, all events. Very powerful that's why we have the Apostle Paul writing in 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 5, uh, verses 16 to 19. One of my favorite passages in the entire Bible, as far as I'm concerned. It's just, um, it just helps me so much. Uh, understanding also the Apostle Paul and what he went through. You know, he didn't have a picnic of a life. He had a difficult life. You know, he was beaten all the time and people rejecting him and you know we have these nice scriptures that were written off of his experience off of his back off of his suffering right but no matter what look what he look what he says here and i i love these verses first thessalonians uh, chapter 5 verses 16 to 18 rejoice in the lord always pray continually give thanks in all circumstances For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And not only that we're supposed to do it, but it's God's will. 
But in that will is the glory of God. This is where we experience the supernaturalness of God. And you know what? Sometimes we don't really feel like rejoicing. Sometimes we don't really feel like praying. We don't really feel like giving thanks. Though I've got to say this about Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is particularly powerful. I think our culture as a whole has a problem with this, both in the church culture and also in the culture at large. And because of it, we suffer because we don't give God enough credit for what he's put all around us. Go take a trip to Botswana or some other uh, African, uh, Latin American, Asian nation and just go live there for a little while and you'll come back praising God day and night, right? And because God has given us so much, it's a, it's a real issue for us this Thanksgiving. It's an issue, I think, with us and Him in our culture. It's one of those unique cultural things. I think giving thanks in all circumstances, in all your circumstances, is one of the most powerful things you can do. For one thing, you're way far ahead than almost every people, person on the face of the earth that's ever lived. You live in the freest environment, not only in this time and season of the world's history, but also through all the eons. So giving thanksgiving is important. And when you live in that thanksgiving, you live in the presence of God in a way that I think you don't quite live in other ways. And, and of course, praise goes along um, with it. Uh, this rejoicing in the Lord always is just such a powerful thing. Rejoice always, he says. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. But you know what? God's will is fun. It means good for you. God's will isn't a, a pain. It may have a little bit of roughness as you begin, but I tell you, it transforms your life and transforms the things around you in a way that uh, I just think don't think we've really explored really enough, I think, uh, in our own personal lives, and I know I haven't. Thanksgiving, praise, and prayer are how we glory in the Lord and rejoice even in affliction. So we see the next two verses. I will glory in the Lord, let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me, let us exalt his name together. I think that's interesting that he makes that little a comment. I will glory in the Lord, let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Because that's the way out. It's the way that we interact, interface, even in a sense of bad times. I love Psalm 100, verses 1 to 4. It gives us also some knowledge about how things in God work. Shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. So that's what we did here today. That's why we spend that time doing that. By the way, I just love the worship today. Thank you, Jackson, uh, for doing that. And, and that was Daniela. And actually, they also lead worship uh, for the, the Hispanic church that we have in the afternoons in this very auditorium. Isn't that amazing? It was nice to have them here. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is good as he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. And then he says this interesting thing. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. So this entering into with thanksgiving and praise is entering into the very presence of the Lord. It's the way we encounter God. And we do that through these simple things. I mean, it sounds so simple, but as you were doing that today, the very presence of the Lord was on you. But you can do that right in the middle of your job. You can do that right in the middle of everything. You can transform your life and start hearing God's voice and get acquainted with God and, and even get direction and even healing just from this place. I don't know about you, but I'd like to enter his gates, wouldn't you? I think it's pretty good to enter the gates. From all the people, all the experiences I see in the Bible, and also people have said, had these out-of-body experiences, as you know, where they they were almost dead, and they went and visited the Lord. It's evidently a pretty good place. So I think I wouldn't do that, but you can go right there with your thanksgiving and your courts. And I feel that every time I worship, don't you? 
I felt it this morning. I just feel like I'm like knocking at the gates. I, I'm, I'm in, in with God. That's just nothing like corporate worship. Matter of fact, I just say this. I've been walking with the Lord a long time. A long, long time. But I never get tired of corporate worship. Never. Not one time. I never do. And I always find myself dragging into the services like everybody else, just needing to touch a God. You know? And I'll tell you one thing's for sure, in this place especially. You might not do too good with a sermon, but you're going to do great with a worship, because it's awesome in here, right? <laughs> so, I always look that for, even for myself, right? <laughs> so, uh, there's also, um, I like this verse 5. For the Lord, he says, is good, and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. So, that's a good reason why to praise God just because of that. But the theme of this is living in the glory of God. And so in this praise and worship atmosphere is the way that we touch, we move in the glory of God. Now let's go back to Psalm 34, a couple of other verses here. This psalm is just packed with just great advice for living in the glory of God, living in the presence of God. Those who look to him, uh, verse or no, let's go verse 4. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Can I say that again? I sought the Lord, and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. So when I seek the Lord, when I turn my attention and say, God, what about this? God, would you help me on this? So a lot of people do that, but they stay terrified. If you wait just an instant longer, just let your faith catch up with what... Like sometimes I pray about something, and I have to go, wait a minute, I'm praying about this. <laughs> I'm not just blowing air, hot air, I'm not just... I'm not just talking. I'm, t I'm speaking to God, and he's receiving me. He's listening to every word I'm saying. That's why I say, in the name of Jesus. <laughs> also, right? I sought the Lord, and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Doc, in other words, God doesn't play hard to get. I like this. He delivered me from all my fears. Now, sometimes there's a little bit of time there. That does us in sometimes. Sometimes we light the fuse and it takes a while to burn down to the answer. But I am learning to glory in that more and more. Because if you get that hold of that, you will never get discouraged. Because, oh, I lit the fuse and nothing's happened. Well, it's just going to take a little while longer. Maybe I'll have to wait. But if you persist enough through, and I'm convinced now in my life, that many miracles I just haven't persisted enough to the end of. And then they happen. I don't give God credit for it. I'm realizing this is a pattern. Some miracles come boom, and some take a little longer, right? But here's the promise. I sought the Lord, and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. We're going to read through these scriptures. We're going to find out that to be a Christian, to, be, to know God, is different from all the rest of the world. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. I love that a lot. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered, like, not like the world around us. God will never disappoint you, cover you with shame, right? He never does that. And I just think that's really, really important to know. And I tell you, who does the shame thing? It's not God. So when that happens, you can go, oh, time out. Devil, I see that you're here. In the name of Jesus, I rebuke you. And I'm going to turn back to the radiance. I'm going to turn back to the good stuff, all right? And it's absolutely possible to do this. I love this passage. Look at point D on the outline. Coming to the end of your resources is where God's resources often begin. So here it is. This poor man called and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. I like that because 
it gives great encouragement to me. How many have ever run to the end of your resources? Yeah, like most of the room. And uh, we do that all the time. Uh, it's just the way we shape those resources. It's In other words, or maybe we should say it this way. It's the way we let those resources shape us that's really the critical key, isn't it? It's not the lack of resources. It's the what it does with our heart, right? So it's really, really important that we understand that the Lord doesn't run out of resources. 34.16. So again... But face, uh, let me get back to this. Where am I? 34, 6. This poor man called out and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. Now, if you look at the Beatitudes, there's a great Beatitude there that I think are, is really, really, really powerful. And I love it. So it's Matthew 5, 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You ever read that one? What in the world's poor in spirit? It's this person that's on empty. It's this person that maybe even is discouraged, overwhelmed. In other words, he's just another way of saying those that look to the Lord are radiant. So if you're poor in spirit, if there's something that's got you down, something that has made you low, the answer is theirs is the kingdom of God. In other words, he's just trying to tell you God hasn't forgotten you. He hasn't left you alone. It's a promise. These Beatitudes are a promise. It's actually not just a promise in the sense of hope it happens someday. It's actually a reality. When you're in a negative space and you've run out of grace in a particular area, it's the beginning of grace for you, not the end. It's the kingdom is made for people like you. The people that are like the people in this room. It's made for you. It's not made for perfect people or perfect people that have everything. It's made for people that are poor in spirit. And why would you be poor in spirit? You'd be poor in spirit because something's missing. Something's not there. I tell you, that phrase that I just said, um, coming to the end of your resources is where God's resources often begin. Uh, God often takes us on these journeys. What a glorious thing to call on the creator of the universe, and he saves us from trouble. And a lot of us go through these journeys. Uh, you can't avoid it. The question for us is whether we're going to let him begin to give resources earlier or later. Or we're going to spend a, a bunch of time complaining and making really wrong responses and turning, instead of turning to the Lord and letting him make us, our face radiant. Your face can become radiant before you get the answer, and that's the general idea. You see? So ours is the kingdom of God. Ours is always the kingdom of God. Let's just move into that reality in our emotions and our mind right away. So we don't have to suffer, you know, all the other stuff. It's bad enough to have something unmet, but to let it kick you in the teeth, wallow you in the ground, and then make it worse <laughs> instead of better, uh, that's on us. We don't have to go to that place. That's why our faces are radiant. We can actually look with confidence anytime, in any way, in a, when we're in trouble. Your battles are being fought on a supernatural plane. 34-7, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. Wow. I feel angels encamp uh, surrounding this place today. But isn't that an amazing promise? The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. So from this psalm, we see that your battles are being fought not only on a natural level, but a supernatural level, because not all your problems are on a natural level. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is Second Kings chapter 6. So what happens is Elijah and his assistant are there together and the Arameans come and attack them and surround them, right? And it just looks 
desperate. It looks like there's just no way out. They've, and the reason why they've come is because Elisha's this prophet and he keeps giving information <laughs> to Israel about where the Arameans are coming next. So the, the king, of, Ar- uh, king deci- of Aram decides, you know what, I'm going to go get ahead of this this time and I'm just going to go find that prophet and I'm going to kill him. They don't have to be worried. they got too much intelligence there, you know. Uh, before I get there, they're already there. So he's going to take care of this situation, you know. And um, he isn't thinking too clearly, but anyway, that's how uh, pagan kings think, right? And he doesn't think, wow, <laughs> then if he was smart enough to figure out where he was, uh, where they were going for a battle, he'd also be smart enough that Elisha would know when they come, right? So Elisha is not even uh, surprised at, at all uh, when he comes. And, uh, and I love this phrase, so I just want to read from Second Kings 6. Verse uh, 15, when the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my Lord, what should we do? The servant asked. You ever got up in the morning and uh, had a few uh, chariots and horses surrounding your city? (laughs) Oh no. You know, instead of his mercies being new every morning, it's not so new. (laughs) You feel like, oh my gosh, the enemy's on my doorstep. I'm sick. This has happened. That's happened. The dog died, whatever, you know. Verse 16. Don't be afraid, the prophets answered. Now, this is so important. We're talking about living in the glory of God. This is not just the inheritance of a prophet and this assistant, but this is all our inheritance because God fights with for us on another level. And we can access that level simply by asking, like we just mentioned, thanksgiving and praise. It access, it cooperates with the angelic host. It's important to get that view of your life because if you don't, you just keep getting drugged through the mud. You've got to go higher and understand that you're not your own. I think almost every person in this room, well, maybe not everyone, but most of us uh, who just have known the Lord for a while, we believe that God created us, that God was, you know, He made us, that we're here because of Him, right? I think we can agree with that. But then once we live, as we live our life, we're, we kind of lose that sense sometimes. We think, no, no way, no way. This, uh, God doesn't know anything about this, right? God, God isn't a million miles away. Ah, uh, not so. That's not the case. That's why we're mentioning it here. Your battles are even now being fought on the uh, supernatural level. I just think it's amazing that the angel of the Lord encamps. The angel of the Lord encamps around him to fear him, and he delivers them. Now, fear doesn't mean quaking. It means respect him, whoever honors the Lord. Isn't that a something? So even now, there's an angel of the Lord encamped around you, helping you. Uh, and let me, can I just say this? You know, what we do is we get a little exclusionary, especially if we get one particular problem that doesn't be able to, it doesn't seem to be able to be solved, right, at that moment. And uh, that's the one. The angel is encamping around everything else except that one space. Not true. He's encamped especially around that difficult space that you're in, no matter what you're facing today, right? So as I look back at Second uh, Kings chapter 6, let's read these verses. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. That applies right now. Can I just declare to you, those that are with us are more than those who are with them. Is that just sometimes the case? No, it's all the time the case. And guess what the enemy does? He tries to make you think that it's just the opposite. That somehow the angels got thin today. Somehow there was a strike in heaven and they didn't show up to your particular situation. Or you sinned so bad that they couldn't possibly encamp around you today. Or it's been so long, God must have forgotten. Now, I know we would never say that out loud, but in our spirit, that's exactly what we do. And we do it a lot, right? 
So this is a great picture. It helps us understand the true reality of the way God is with us. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with him. That's the case for all believers. And Elisha prayed, Open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. If we could see that today, we would see the same thing. If we could see into the Spirit, we would see who's with us. So we're just going to have to believe it by faith unless somebody has a prophetic gift or maybe some guy has an ex- incredible experience here and they see the angel. Sometimes, actually I almost have almost every service, uh, somebody will tell me about an angel they see in the auditorium, right? So as the enemy came toward him, Elisha prayed to the Lord, strike this army with blad- blindness. So he struck them with blindness as Elisha had asked. Amazing. So these guys go blind and they're walking around. They can't find Elisha. So he leads them all the way to the capital city and then their eyesight comes back just as they're surrounded by the entire army of Israel having been blinded and lost all their weapons. Right? And the king doesn't know what to do. So we're going to kill him? Kill him now? Kill him now? No. Don't kill him. Let him go. Give him some meat, food and let him go. And from that point forward, they never had another problem with Aram. They didn't even need to kill these guys. They got it. Okay, we got it. The supernatural power is with you and not with us, right? What a glorious thing to call on the creator of the universe. He saves us in times of trouble and our battles are on a supernatural level. Lord, I pray right now for anybody that's really under it. Maybe I just want to do this for a moment. It's a little exercise. All right. So sometimes we get in experiences. Maybe this is the first time you've been in church for a while. Maybe it's just been a long time since you've been with the people of God. Or maybe you've been so far under it, you just don't, you're, you came and you're hoped for, you put the blank in. What is your hope for? Money, finance, a husband, a wife, some sort of uh, situation with a school entrance or a program or some problem in your body. What is it today, right? And I, I just want to say to you that the Lord is with you today. The, the Lord, the very angels of God are with you, and he's fighting your battle. So I just want to pray, Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would supernaturally open people's eyes. There's nothing worse than feeling so alone in a world full of the devil. <laughs> and we're not alone. So, Lord, would you, I pray in this service, even as I'm praying, and I pray even after this service, that you would literally open eyes so they could see the hope of their situation. They would get a sense of confidence from you. And I pray you'd even give them a little evidence that you're with them here in the coming week. I pray they wouldn't see their problems the same way. I pray like this prophet prayed. Open their eyes. If you did it with Elisha's servant, you can do it in this moment. I pray you would supernaturally open eyes. I pray that when we go into this week, we'd see it in a little different way. And I pray we'd see evidence of your moving. There'd be confidence in us. And Lord, I pray this angel that encamps around those that serve you, Lord, I pray that literally the angel of the Lord would encamp around you right now. May you be aware of him making camp all around you. Your battles are being fought on a supernatural level. All right, so let's go back to Psalm 34. This whole psalm is just so uh, glorious. It's just got so many uh, wonderful things to it. Let's look at verse 8. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in God. And maybe I could just add this. Even before the answer comes. Even before the answer comes. If you look at the chapter before, 
in uh, Psalm chapter 32. Um, there's some interesting uh, verses there. And I want to see if I get to the right ones. We wait and hope for the Lord. He is our help and shield. In Him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in His holy name. May your unfailing love be with us, Lord, even as we put our hope in you. What a great prayer. But this question here, taste and see that the Lord is good, or this declaration. I want to just talk about that for a moment. Um, So we're looking forward to something, but there's also something in the middle of circumstances like this that I found. And so can I just say that actually in the midst of our circumstances, there's also a great opportunity for us to taste God's supernatural love in a way that maybe we've never experienced it. And so once you eat from a meal where you feel God's presence and love, loving you in a very difficult circumstance, you don't ever forget. You don't forget it easily. And I want to show you a couple of passages of Scripture because this is the way the Lord works. And also I want to raise our awareness again to a level that most of us know this, but maybe some don't. Don't know that for you is a supernatural experience with the love of God. That experience with the love of God is available to all of us. And, um, and often it's in the difficult spaces is where we learn that love. That's where we feel God's love, carrying us through a difficult sickness, carrying us through a difficult a situation with our business, whatever it is. But I found that, listen to this now, this is very careful. I'm going to read through this, these verses, Romans uh, 5, uh, 1 to 5 and Romans 8, 14 to 16. But uh, what I want you to see is, as we read through these situations, we see the normal thing, perseverance, character, so on and so forth. But what, what, what's the most important part of this is the last part of this passage here. And it's related to the verse, taste and see that the Lord is good. You can taste and see that the Lord is good. What I mean by that is it's available to all of us to find God and to feel his presence and let him tell us it's going to be okay even before it becomes okay, right? But it's supernatural and it's in that space where we learn the love of God. And so what I found is in my difficult experiences where I've learned to feel the love of God in a place where I'm trapped or in difficult space, I've learned that once I feel that, I I don't have to let it go for the next time. Or even when I'm not in trouble, I can feel the love of God. In other words, what I'm saying to you is your experiences of trial and trouble are an open door to experiencing the supernatural love and comfort of God. But once that thing's over, you can hold on to that because it's such a treasure. It's such a beautiful thing. You don't have to say, way back then when I was in the hospital and God came to me in such a special way, and then you hang it on your Christmas tree, you know. It can be more than a Christmas tree. You can actually hang it on your lapel. You can put it in your pocket. In other words, once you experience a taste of God's love in any given circumstances, you can go back to it. You can keep tasting that the Lord is good. Not just because he saved you in the year 1998, you know. And boy, it was good. And God, you know, you can taste and see that the Lord is good now, even before you get the answer to whatever request or concern. Because have you noticed something? I've noticed something. Sometimes I'll struggle with something, struggle with something, struggle with something, and it finally gets solved, you know? And then I think, hmm, is that it? Wow, that wasn't so bad after all, right? And the enemy just magnifies and magnifies our difficult situation. So taste and see that the Lord is good is such a real thing. We call this the Father's love. But oddly enough, the reason you get acclimated to the Father's love and supernatural love from God by going through a horrible time. So don't waste your sorrows. When you get comforted by God, hold that and even keep it around for good times. 
because there's nothing like the soothing presence of God in a difficult time, but you can even hold on to that. So the secret is the Father's love is there all the time. Good morning, Father. <laughs> Good morning, God. And Lord, where are you today? I want to taste your goodness today. So not just for the bad time, but for the good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. So let's read this. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. So that all seems kind of spiritual and out there, right? Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Yeah, I know all about that. Perseverance, character. Yeah, I know about that. Character, hope. I know a little bit about that. And hope does not put us to shame, So what hope is, is letting God in there a little bit. Just letting him in there a little bit. Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So God has this experience where he wants to pour his love into your heart through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. In other words, there's an experience in God where the Lord will pour love into your heart. Pour love into your heart. And it often comes in the midst of a great trial. So don't waste your sorrows when you feel that love. Learn to cultivate that even in the good times and taste and see that the Lord is good. I mean spiritually, supernaturally. How many in this room have ever experienced the comfort of the Lord in a difficult time? Anybody? Does it feel bad? Could it keep feeling good way after the trial's gone? So could you keep tasting that the Lord is good even in a neutral time or even in a good time? where finances are great, kids are great. But see, the thing is, that's the secret to walking in the Spirit, to keep the love of God, this experience, this taste of God in your life, even in the good times, bad times, whatever. Because the taste of God is so much better than this life. Put put on a scale, 1 to 10, the highest thing that you think would be awesome if it ever happened to you. And it's nothing compared to experiencing the supernatural love of God. Maybe some of you have never really had much a taste of that. We focus on it a lot because feeling that love sustains me not only through my problems but it gives me my life to live in the, where there, when there aren't problems. It's, it's the joy of my life but it's supernatural. It's beyond natural, right? That's why we taste and see that the Lord is good. It's beyond natural. And I just want to say to you that that's possible. We can do that. It's available to us. And once you've experienced a bad circumstance and had God come, <clears throat> then you can experience them in the dull times, or the ordinary times. And so one of the most dramatic passages in, in the Scripture for me, and has been for a long time, is this one from 14 to 16 of Romans 8. For those who are led by the Spirit of the children of God, the Spirit you receive does not make you slaves, so that you live in fear again. No. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your son, adoption of sonship. So if anything's making you feel like a slave or down, guess where it's from? Where is it from? Huh? The pit of hell, right? The enemy, because it's so nice. It's terrible. You live in fear. You're like a slave. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him, that word cry is a loud word. It's like a screech of a loud animal. Scream. It's like we scream. This is the experience of the early church. Abba. That's daddy. Father, Abba Daddy comes many times in our hard places, but he can also come in your good places. Because the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we're God's kids. Oh, to have that testimony. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, then we also share in his glory. I don't know about you, but 
Suffering is one thing, but I like to share in his glory a little bit. And this comes spiritually, right? The heirs and co-heirs of God are not like in the far future. This is for us today, these experiences, these encounters with the Lord. And it's not hard. If it was hard, nobody would make it. Nobody would have this, right? It only requires one thing, faith and awareness, that God can bring emotions and feelings that mean they're like the spiritual adoption. They're, they're, the, they're so strong, the word testifies with our spirit is the word for martyr. So it's a strong testimony, and God wants to bring that. I know I felt that testimony when I worshiped a little bit. Did you guys feel that a little bit? You feel that. So that's the idea. Now we just take that into our lives, and God will testify to us. And that testimony is really what sustains us through lots of things. And so Psalm 34 is prefiguring actually even something more dramatic that would happen through what Jesus does for us, right? Let's look at this uh, Psalm 34 again. Verse 9, Fear the Lord, you as holy people, for those who fear him lack nothing. Ooh, I like that. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Wow. That's very powerful, isn't it? Those who seek the Lord ask no, I mean, lack no good thing. Come, my children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil, your lips from telling lies, turn from evil to good, seek peace and pursue it. Seek peace and pursue it. Okay, I'm going to just talk about what it is to fear the Lord for a few moments, right? Fear the Lord. First Peter quotes this 34 and amplifies what it means to fear the Lord. And I want to read these verses for a moment, all right? And um, so uh, look at First Peter 3, verses 8 to 17. If I could read it on the thing, that would be really helpful too. Oh, I'll just find it here in my Bible. <clears throat> Anybody know where Peter is? Oh, it's on page 1736. Okay, good. First Peter 3, finally, all of you be like-minded, sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. I thought you were talking about the fear of the Lord. I am. Do not pay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing, because this to this you were called, so that you may, what? Inherit a blessing. See how it works? So fearing the Lord his way pays huge dividends. Now look what he says. Whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who who do evil. Who is going to harm you if you're eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts... Revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed. For it is better to, if it is God's will, to suffer for good than for doing for evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was to put, put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. So this 
passage that we're reading, 1 Peter uh, chapter 3, you'll notice that in these verses from 8 to 17 are embedded the verses that we just prayed, right? And uh, from, from the Psalms, actually Psalms 34, 8 to 17. And I want you to notice something here uh, from this First Peter passage. Part of fearing the Lord is learning to handle people uh, with a blessing. Be like-minded, sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate, humble. Do not repay evil with evil, evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing, because of this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. So, in other words, what it means to fear the Lord is it's connected to our relationships. It means if you fear the Lord, make sure you treat each other well and right. So Peter's pulling this first, he's pulling this psalm passage right in the middle of this discussion, right? And uh, this being like-minded, compassionate, humble, not repaying evil with evil. And I th- tell you what, some of those incredible warnings and promises from the scripture have to do with the way we're loving people. Whatever we do to others, the Bible says, will be done back to us. We reap what we sow. Forgive and you'll be forgiven. Don't condemn and you won't be condemned. See? So that's directly connected to fearing the Lord. We treat each other so that we do not live under judgment or under pressure, right? Because fearing the Lord pays rich dividends, and that means giving each other slack. One of the greatest things you can do is forgive, right? The bottom line is actually 34, 15 to 17. Don't live like the unrighteous, and God will fight for you. I think one of the hardest things is hidden unforgiveness and hidden bitterness. Oh, you might not see it on the surface, but it always has a relational result. So it's so important in our relationships that we just keep it clear. That's the fear of the Lord. Keep it clear. Don't let that thing hesitate for a second. That person was paid for with a high price on the cross. They may not avail it. They may be your blood-sucking enemy. Maybe you have a few of those. But nevertheless, how we treat them is so important to how the Lord treats us. 34, verse 15. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their cry. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil, to blot out their name from the earth. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from... How how many problems would that be? So the only thing he expects of us is don't hold this negative stuff. Don't hold these attitudes. Uh, Be peaceful in your relationships. And insofar as it's dependent on you, be at peace with everyone. That's a great definition, really, of the fear of the Lord. Because we could think of the fear of the Lord be really super spiritual. We could fast 10 days, you know. We could not touch this and not do that, you know. <laughs> fear of the Lord, you know, fear of the Lord. Some people make a whole religion out of it, a whole thing of the fear of the Lord, fear of the Lord. But they're horrible to their people and to their families and to their children and to their... I think the person that's full of the fear of the Lord is the one that loves the most. Don't you? Right? And then we have this wonderful promise here. That God will fight for you. That kind of person. He's against those who do evil. The, the Lord righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. Could I underline all? <laughs> oh, my trouble's special. You see, I'm in this situation. Oh, my gosh. How many times do we play that card? You ever done that? Before? You know, I'm the most unique person in the world. When there's five million other people who have gone through that just this month, you know, everybody goes, I mean, you know what I mean? Even in our own neighborhood. But the enemy does that. He isolates you, make you feel like you're the only one going through it. You're the only one, right? No. But God is with the righteous. 
He will fight for you. Just make sure that in your walk with the Lord, you treat others really well. All right, here's the last part. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted, not far away. I love these verses. Here it is. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted, verse 18, and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Sometimes we get in a place where we're just crushed. And it's just bad. But here's the promise. He's close there. Sometimes we get this opinion like, okay, I'm in high praise, or I'm witnessing to this unbeliever, or I'm praying for the sick and they're getting well. Oh, God's close. But I just want to say, from my personal experience, and I just say it would be just like God to be closest uh, to the one that has many troubles. You might have many of them, but the Lord delivers them from all. Verses 70, righteous cry out, and the Lord hears me, delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. The righteous person may have many troubles. And that's something sometimes we think, well, if I was just righteous enough, I wouldn't have all these troubles. Well, like sometimes you do. You can't explain it. Sometimes you have troubles and just the devil decides to knock your block off or something happens. But guess what? The Lord delivers them from them all. So you've got to keep that. I don't care what trouble I got. Okay, can we just think about all for a minute? Because that's a hard one for some people, especially if you've had one for a long time. Somehow or another, our own reasoning and the enemy tries to make us think, well, in my situation special. I have a special reason for not being delivered. <laughs> right? Don't fall for that. It's easy to fall for it because it comes often when we're feeling really bad and we feel maybe a little self-pity or maybe we've had it really, really bad. Maybe if you put your circumstance up there and it's pretty bad on the scale from 1 to 10, you know, you know, even somebody just looking in from a distance would say, well, that's a really bad one. But here's the key thing. The righteous person may have many troubles. Just because you're righteous doesn't mean you don't have trouble. But the Lord delivers them from... The Lord delivers him from them... Well, that's about 20% of you, but okay. Oh, oh, let's... Okay, let's do it one more time, okay? I'm going to read through it. When we get to the all part, you all say it with me, okay? The righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. Okay, I think we got it now. At least we said it loud. I pray you we believe it because it's hard to believe sometimes, right? You know, um, in uh, verse 18, it says, The Lord is close to the broken heart and those who are crushed in spirit. The word contrite can be translated crushed. We see that in the uh, Psalm 34, a contrite heart, but it can be translated crushed. So we're really talking about something severe here. If you have a broken and crushed heart, you're already on the way to victory, according to this, because the Lord's close. That's why, because the Lord delivers them from them all. I really like that. Psalm 51, uh, 16 and 17 is really cool. I like these some of these verses, because you have a special category as a believer, right? And uh, so look at this. You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not... Am I in the wrong psalm? No, wait. 5160. Yeah, I'm here. Okay. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. You, you God, will not despise. I think some of you came to this service and you brought in a broken and contrite heart. And it was a sacrifice even for you to be here. You didn't want to be here. Could I just say that 
You that came that way, God's especially fond of you. <laughs> right? No matter how you've treated your situation or how bad it, bad it has been, he says, he's, you do not delight in, delight in sacrifice or I would bring you. You don't delight in, in great things. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. I've had all the burnt offerings I can handle. You live like hell the one day and then you bring your goat or whatever and it doesn't mean anything to me. My sacrifice, oh God, is a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart, you God, will not despair, despise. Now, who, what context did he write this? It's uh, 51, right? This is when, when uh, he had committed adultery with Bathsheba. He was in the worst failure of his life. He had made the worst mistake. And he realized what God wants is this broken spirit. That's all I got to offer, God. I'm so sorry. But you won't despise me there. And then he says, May it please you to prosper Zion, to build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in the sacrifices of the righteous and burnt offerings offered whole. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. So there's a conclusion to that. The Lord actually delivers. There's another happier time. But I love that so much. It's just so great. Because when I come in and I'm not so, feeling so great, you know, God never despises a broken spirit, a contrite heart, a, even a devastated heart, even a heart that's been crushed. Because he's there to pick it up. He's there to come. He's close to the brokenhearted, not far away. Let me just end with this. I like this line. The Lord personally oversees all trouble in your life. Isn't that interesting? You thought he wasn't overseeing it at all. You thought he was a million miles away. Look at this. Verse 19 of uh, Psalm 34. We'll finish here. The righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers them from delivers him from them all. Ooh, I like that. The righteous person may have many trouble, but, troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. Oh. Good. He protects all his bones. Not one of them will be broken. Evil will slay the wicked. The foes of the righteous will be condemned. The Lord will rescue his servants. No one who takes refuge in him will be condemned. I love that verse so much. No one who takes refuge in him will be condemned. He's overseeing the whole thing. There's other verses. I'm going to look at Proverbs 24 before we go, and then I'll go back to uh, Romans 8, and then we'll finish here today. Roman, uh, uh, Psalm 24, verses 15 and 16. Oh, sorry, Proverbs 24, verses 15 and 16. Do not lurk like a thief near the house of the righteous. Do not plunder their dwelling place. For though the righteous fall seven times, they rise again. But the wicked stumble when calamity strikes. First of all, it makes me feel good about the season and time we live in right now. <laughs> Better be careful what you do at the church. Probably shouldn't plunder their dwelling place. Because the righteous, they might fall seven times. But you can't defeat them. They always get up. But the wicked, they stumble and they never get up. I like that. That's a real prophetic thing for even for our time. I think it's really important to believe. And that may be the best passage of all, one of my favorites in all the scripture. Let's all stand. Romans chapter 8, verses 31 to 39. What then shall we say in response to these things? 
Which things? Well, it depends on what things you're, are after you right now. What things you're stumbling a little bit in. What things are attacking you. What things are troubling you. If God is for us, who could be against us? The Lord personally oversees all the trouble in your life. That's the point I'm making. If God's for us, then like, who could be against us? Anybody? So even the big stuff, the heavy artillery, the major demon flying around with the sword, <laughs> the devil himself, right? Certainly any lowly experience even beyond that, below that, right? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, that's a pretty good commitment to you. How will not also along with him graciously give us all things? No, mine's too hard. It never could answer that one, no. And even if he did, I've sinned too much, I've failed too much, he would not graciously give it. I'll have to really work hard for this one. Graciously. I know what it is to give graciously to my kids. Gracious, no strings attached. You know, no performance, just God... I got a broken and contrite heart here. I'm messed up. Have mercy. Aren't you glad God's like that? Whoo! Man, if you don't worship that kind of God, I can't, church can be tormenting. It doesn't help you. You look around and see all the good people around. They all look like they're great and dressing in their right mind. No problems at all, you know. And look at me. But we all need this kind of son, the son of God. He who did not spare his own son that kind of father, but gave him up for us all, how we not also along with him graciously give us all things. If he gave you his son, let him be crucified on a cross for you, couldn't he take care of this issue in your life that's coming 20 centuries later? And with a smile, graciously, who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. What's the word intercede mean? He's praying for you. Does God get his prayers answered? I think so. It means something to be a Christian. It means something to be a son and daughter of the Most High God. Your salvation means something. Who shall separate us then from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword, even our own sin. Because there's no condemnation, evidently, for those who are in Christ Jesus. I just say, God, I did it. God moves with us into healing. As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Certainly there's those times where we just feel like we're in this really difficult place. But no, wait. In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, my mistakes, my tragedies, my problems, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's what it means to live in the glory of God. Amen? Amen. So, Lord, as I just pray, Chuckson, could you come up here for a minute? I just think uh, that if, if I were you uh, and you've been especially on what you might call the opposite of the glory of God, I never like to preach a word like this without giving a person just an opportunity to just take a minute and process that.
and declare these promises back to God. And what I'm hoping when you do that, as he does a little worship, when you do that, what I'm hoping is that, first of all, your attitude will change. And whatever has been stalking you, holding you back, stalking's a good word, oppressing you, will just lighten off of you because your faith. You just stand here and worship. Lord, no matter what, I'm going to worship. Because I might fall down. But like we heard earlier, I'm going to get up. And I might have fallen down twice or three times, but I'm going to get up. That's a decision you can make here before the Lord right now. So maybe at the least, somebody will feel something lighten off of you. But at best, maybe you will go from surviving to contending. Go back to the drawing board. Ask God to heal you now that you've been forgiven. Ask God to bring a new pathway. Ask God to bring a new season into your life. God's big enough and His ears are open enough to hear you right now, no matter what condition you find yourself in. Going to church isn't just going to a meeting, a place. It's meeting the living God and doing business. It's a house of business in the kingdom. And it's so simple because Jesus already paid the price. So there's not a whole lot of work involved, just your faith. Without faith, you can't please him. Your works maybe look like filthy rags, but your faith, all that comes from God. You can look in the face of your problems and say, God, have mercy. God, I'll look at this thing in a different way. I want to thank you. I'm in the glory of God. I'm a worshiper of God. I've been bought with a price. The Spirit of God's on me, and the angels help me. And all of heaven's looking, watching. If I just take one step toward you, they all come like a flood. If I can just manage to wiggle a toe or make any statement of faith, anything, in the midst of my trouble, the glory comes. I think a number of you are just doing that right now as I'm just talking. I can feel it. I think sometimes coming to the front is helpful because it helps you just to cement that. But you can do it right from your seat. While we're worshiping, just tell God your heart. Tell Him all about it. Tell Him and ask Him to rescue you. Let the glory come on you. He's overseeing your trouble. Neither height nor death nor anything else in all creation separate you from the love of God. That's just not a feeling in your heart. It's actually the solution to your problems. God doesn't just stay here in a nice feeling in the sanctuary. He actually goes ahead of you and fights your battles. God, fight every one of our battles. Fight the demons. Fight the powers of hell. Fight the discouragement that comes like an inky black cloud to try to cover us. Open the heavens over us in Jesus' name. We will not feel sorry for ourselves any longer, nor will we feel sorry for what the enemy's done for us. All things are working together for good for me. It's called according to your purpose. And my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. And if God be for me, who in the world could be against me? There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the life of the Spirit has set me free from the law of sin and death. I will not bow to the law of sin and death any longer. I will not 
bow to that condemning voice. I will let others who've wounded me go free as I'm free in the love of God. If you'd like to come forward, do business with God, come right now. If you'd like to stay in your seat and do business with God, stay in your seat. It's fine with me. But as we worship, I just encourage you to pray and We'll just be here for a while longer here in worship. Just pray. Maybe you see a friend up here. Maybe you come up and pray with them or put your hand on their shoulder. Whatever you do as we worship, just pray and ask God. I can just see already people are doing it. Just let him refresh your heart. and Go right boldly to a throne of grace and tell him what you need. Like spend a few seconds saying you're sorry and spend a lot, of four, a lot more minutes telling him what you need and what you're looking for and how great he is.